Father, this morning we just come to you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. The name above every other name. And we come to you, Lord, in that name and through your blood. For you have made a way possible for man to come back to you. With boldness through that blood, Lord. By faith we come through the blood. We come as blood-washed children of the living God. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, thank you. This morning, Father, I pray you anoint us. Here, all your children everywhere, all those who are tuned in, anoint them. And those who will listen later, let the anointing continuously flow, Father, because we need it, Lord. When the enemy comes in like a flood in the last days, <clears throat> we need more. More of you. Not less. More anointing. More power. More authority. More endurance. More patience. More love. More of everything that you have for us. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Speak to us. Pray through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, Remember, we are on Monday morning, but they are on the other side. U.S. is, of course, uh, Sunday night, and that means our Wednesday is D-Day for them. And please uphold in prayer everyone. Okay, please remember, just don't look at the opinion polls and all. Ultimately, battles are won in the spiritual realm. And the mistake, I mean, if you look at, if you look at uh, the two powerful powerful uh, prophets in the Old Testament. One is Elijah, the other is Elisha. Both Elijah and Elisha could not bring lasting change in Israel because the political power refused to change. So they are spiritual entities representing the spiritual power of God. And then there are these kings who are the political power. So if kings don't change, ultimately the nation will go down. So you will see all the days of Joshua they had peace. All the days they were in the wilderness under Moses, the enemies couldn't overcome because both the political and the spiritual power was one and therefore. So you need to realize even the best of men like Elijah and Elisha could not bring lasting. So you need to realize however we must pray and there may be a transition that will take place but it will not be lasting. It will not be lasting because the political powers uh, most of them will refuse to change. And you need to understand in the temptation of Jesus Christ, what is being offered by the devil to Jesus is political power. Not, not spiritual power. He's being offered political power. He says, all these nations, their glory, their authority, I give it to you. And that's why we have this saying in English, a power corrupts, an absolute power corrupts. Very few people can handle power. And money is also power, okay? Very few people can handle power, money, power, fame, honor, reputation without being corrupted. Very few people can handle it. And that's what happens at the public realm. Whether you are a celebrity, whether you are a political entity, what happens is one that comes it. Even Jesus struggled. You need to understand when he fed the 5,000 and they wanted to make him king by force. You know what he did? He sent his disciples across the sea and he went to the mountain and came back only after nine hours of prayer because he knows what it can do. So he was teaching us lessons. That's why the Bible says he was tempted at all points. 
all points and yet he did not sin so he was tempted he that that that, that struggle is there so <clears throat> we are praying that there will be a transition but uh, lasting transition cannot happen cannot happen it's very difficult can be for a season if we have godly leaders rising at the top you need a godly not at the second third level don't work the man at the top the person at the top if is a very godly person then he can sustain it during his time so we need to pray because why will we have it in eternity because he is lord god is lord and god is godly okay so we've been looking at mysteries and we've been looking at the mystery of god and the mysteries of the kingdom of god and when we stopped on friday we saw for us what unlocks it all <coughs> is faith first timothy 3:9 holding the mystery of faith in a pure conscience okay so this is the key okay and if we don't understand the kingdom of god if we are not excited by the kingdom of god if we are not able to experience the power of the kingdom of god because the bible says the kingdom of god is not a matter of talk it's a matter of power it's because we are not able to get into this realm called the realm of faith because it's a mystery it's a mystery faith is a mystery and i said for faith to come in there are steps first you need the mystery of god's wisdom the mystery of god's wisdom is not the wisdom of the world or the wisdom of the demonic the mystery of god's wisdom we don't understand it like the cross is foolishness to man but it is the wisdom of god so whenever god says something we have to accept it as his wisdom and receive it it is hidden but at the end i will understand it i will understand it when he says something okay that's our most difficult thing because when god says something we will say but things don't happen that way lift up your rod why are you cry red sea is before you i mean doesn't make any sense the walls are mighty walk around it keep your mouth shut for 7 days at the end shout it will come down i mean it doesn't make any but only when the event is over you will realize it was the wisdom of god that you actually brought an entire city without losing one person from your army no casualties not even a single person injured okay so you need to understand the wisdom of god is what comes but with the wisdom of god there must come a revelation with wisdom of god and revelation comes understanding once you have that understanding god has spoken and this is what even all of you sitting over here unless you understand the mystery of faith you will be just another person in the world you will not rise the only two ways you can rise either you say you sell your soul to the devil and people will rise say so they have fame and this thing and then he takes them down like it takes them the rich man taken down or you have to unlock the mystery of god and you will rise but then first is stay humble you will rise and also fall like king saul it's not easy to rise with god it's very difficult to rise with god because god has a father is always trying to protect his children so they are not destroyed that's why when they are excited when they come demons are being cast out he said don't get excited hold on get don't get excited be excited that your names are written in the lamb's book of life so get these pictures pictures clear okay so there is this mystery of faith and i said the statutory warning is that even if i know all the mysteries if i do not have love 
then I am nothing. Not I am something, almost something, I am nothing. So, these things get into picture, okay? Get into the picture, Lord. Even if I am not a great person of faith, make me a person of love. Because the greatest in the kingdom of God is love. Make me a loving person. At the end of yesterday, I said, be kind. Because love is kind. Love is kind. And suffers long. It doesn't uh, react immediately, shout, scream, have my own way. Love doesn't seek that. Your love is seeking God's way. But God is very patient. Sometimes you'll need a lot of patience with people. Okay, so get these pictures. Get these pictures. And then I said, faith has its three major branches. One is the core beliefs of Christianity. That's why we will not be able to fellowship with certain branches of Christianity beyond a point. This far and after that. Okay. Because as you go ahead with Christ God, there are barriers you cross. You may begin as a, as a Baptist. But Baptists have their limits. They're very good in the word, but they reject the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then what happens? You can't go beyond that. That was some issue. He was a nice, nice young man, Cyril, but he refused that. And therefore he realized if I want to preach, there is going to be a discord over here. And we understood it. So we had no issues. Very the thing he says, you know what? I find it difficult because you have a doctrine which I don't accept. Okay. And I said, we have no issues with you. <laughs> you have an issue with us because we are not saying we are superior, but we have progressed to a different level. We began like you, but we don't end like you. Okay, so at every level there is, okay, so fellowship has its own limitation. Some of you are not able to fellowship at all because you refuse to grow. Simply refuse to grow. So therefore, you know what conversations are, how are you, how are exams. But beyond that, you cannot go. The reason is not because it is not possible. Even God cannot talk to you. God longs to talk to man. But the problem is man does not long to talk to God. And when they go to God, they talk about absolute simple material needs only. And God says, okay, okay, if that's what you want, you just look at me like a supermarket manager. And the difference is the ma- you want the manager to pay your bill. That's all. There he will ask you to pay the bill. Here you are asking God to pay your bill. There's no difference. And you know what? We are missing the fundamentals of salvation. God long. The entire purpose of Jesus coming and dying is that man could fellowship with God again. That was the whole purpose. Okay, so we need to understand there are faith has its core beliefs. And then once you know the core beliefs and you go to God, like today, you go to God, you have to believe that he is He's a person, real person now, today. And then comes the battles of faith. When you want to try a relationship with God, you will see there are battles. Okay, There are really battles. And then when God wants you to do something, all hell breaks loose. So the battles of faith, and that's the battle which Paul is talking about. I fought a good fight. And the other thing is that you go forward. The battle of faith you don't retreat. You don't go back. Simply because of who is leading you. God never retreats in a battle. It's a shame for God to retreat. God has never lost a battle. So if God is fighting the battle and you are following God, there is no retreat in this battle. There is no retreat. So you always, many you make, you make 
wise moves in the physical where it looks like retreat, but it is not retreat. Like when the second time Joshua was told to attack I, it was a very smart this thing. God was teaching military tactics. How do you fight? He says, hide all your men. And then take a small group and try to attack the gate. And when they open the gate and looking at your numbers, follow you, flee. And when the whole army is chasing you, let the others come and burn the city down. So it looked as if they were retreating. They were not retreating. They were advancing. Advancing. So sometimes you have to hear God will make tell you to do strategist things in your life. It will look like, Lord, are you asking me to back down? He says, no. It's for advancement. It is advancement. It is advancement. You see, if you don't hear these things, you will be at a plateau. You will be at a plateau. So get these pictures in and then <coughs> there is the patience and the persistence of faith. If you go to Hebrews chapter um, 6, I think. Yeah, okay. 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 I think it's, yeah. Okay, further down. No, be, about before that, before that. Okay. Yeah. So after he had patiently endured, okay, now he's given a promise. And by faith he has to get that promise. And sometimes we may have to wait a long time. And that is the patience of faith. The endurance of faith. And they're very difficult for your generation. I'm telling you, it's very difficult for your generation because as young people, you were never taught what is to wait. You were never taught what is to wait. We had no choice. We had to wait. Like I said, we had fountain pens from class 5. We were not allowed to use dot pens. And the nib, you get one pen a year. And you better be careful. It lasts a year. Last year, only thing you could, the only thing that would replaced is the nib. Okay, you've got two pairs of uniform, better last a year, and one pair of shoes, two or three pairs of socks. That's all you got. And the next cycle is after the academic year. You take care of your own. So you learned patience and endurance without even realizing it. That's what I talk about. All my things last for years and years and years. Yesterday, she was asking, Papu, how, long, how old is your phone? I said, maybe six years. And it will remain like that. Until iPhone says you cannot use it anymore, we will not update your iOS. Okay. Because if you look at it, it looks new. Absolutely brand new. It doesn't look old. It looks new. I look at your shoes, I look at your clothes, okay, I look at your stuff. What has happened? It is not that we value things, but we value other things which are connected with how we handle things. That is called stewardship. Stewardship. When you are young, not when you are old. When you are young, these things have to be learned when you are young. Okay, when you are, I mean, we look at Jesus. I mean, Jesus is two good five loaves of bread, two pieces of, uh, two small fish multiplied, fed, fed on 10,000 people and then tells them to pick up the fragments. I mean, what's wrong with you? I do the Lord of the universe who created everything by the word of your mouth. You're asking us to pick up the scraps. He said, yes. What am I teaching you? I'm teaching you stewardship. So that one day I can handle the souls of men into your hands and you will be careful. 
Because that's what is coming in eternity. Authority. Because you read Revelation 21 and all, you will see, he is king of kings and the lord of lords. And the kings of the earth bring their glory. So who are the kings of the earth? If there are kings of the earth, then who are the people? I'm telling you strangely, the worst thing to happen in life is not to be nobody on earth. It is to become nobody in eternity and have other men rule over you for all of eternity because you forgot to learn the lessons of stewardship on earth. So if there are kings on earth, that means there are subjects on earth. And who are these subjects? Who are these subjects? You need to ask, who are these people? Okay. See, though God loves everybody, he does not reward everybody. The Bible is very clear. He rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now and in eternity. That's a condition for rewards from God. Those who earnestly seek him, understand him, Understand his ways and are willing to pay a price. Like you have Mahendra sitting over there. He wants you a boxer. So where does he see his sacrifice? In his eating. Gluten-free, 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 gluten-free. Why? Because he has an objective in this world. I want to be a boxer. And if you have to be a boxer, you have to be careful about what you eat. Because if you eat wrong, you cannot. It will affect your body. So in that one little thing on this world, where there is no guarantee, no surety, he's willing to make sacrifice. And think about the people on the earth in the kingdom who understood and are willing to make every kind of sacrifice to receive a crown. And Paul made sacrifices like no man. And when he's finishing, he's absolutely sure, I know what I'm receiving, the crown of righteousness. Okay, That's what it says. We run on earth for a perishable crown. But we are not running for something that is perishable. We are running for something that is imperishable. And that's where faith comes. All these things come by faith. And there is one important thing that has to be built into faith, which is called patience and endurance. Honestly, nothing in life should happen fast. We have a saying in English, easy come, easy go. Nothing should happen. You should have worked for it. Let God gift you. But Everything else, you should have worked for it. You should have earned it so that you have this satisfaction of knowing that you know what. I worked for it. I worked for it. Okay, That's the way it should be. Otherwise, you know what will happen? You will be part of this modern generation. No patience. Everything you see, attention deficit. The whole generation has ADHD. ADHD. They cannot listen. They cannot listen. They are not able to concentrate for more than 5-10 minutes. They are not able to. Why? You need to ask ourselves, yourselves, why? Remember when we began 14 years ago in the church, I said one thing. If you come to Grace Tabernacle, there are a lot of things which you will receive free. One, your English will improve. And you don't have to go for spoken English classes. Come to church, your English will improve. And all of you speak English very well. Compared to your compatriots in your classroom, you speak English very well. Okay, that you got free. You never paid me for it, but you got it free. Second thing, in the process, you may get saved, which is eternal. Right? And third thing, if you can learn in 14 years to sit for a two-hour sermon, you will learn the most important thing that you need in your classroom, how to sit for 40 minutes and listen to a lecture. You could have learned these three things for which People will pay through their nose in the world, freely in the church. One language, and English is the language that gives you an edge in this world. Two, patience. 
patience, endurance, sit, to listen, to concentrate. You could have learned all this in 14 years. And the third thing, eternity. You could have learned these three things. And the question you need to ask ourselves, did I get these things? Okay, so you need to realize, faith, faith, faith. And these, all these things of the kingdom of God, which we call as mystery of God, we receive it. Or the mysteries of the kingdom of God. You know what? When Jesus was speaking in parables, we saw that. The apostles came and always asked them, why do you always speak to the crowd in parables, which nobody understands? And he said, the mysteries of the kingdom of God is given to them and not to you. And the simple question is, why is it given to them? One, because they're willing to sacrifice to follow him. Two, they patiently followed him for three and a half years. Wherever he went, they went with him. They followed, they followed, they followed. When he went up the mountain, they went up the mountain. When they went to the sea, they went into the sea. Wherever he went, they went with him. Patiently they endured the testing of their faith. And you know what? He was unlocking mysteries for them. Okay, unlocking mysteries for them. So you have to get these fundamentals in. Then we saw the only thing that matters is faith working through love. Okay. <clears throat> in its working, in its working, faith and love are almost similar. When it comes to love, God says, love God with all your heart. Right? All your heart, all your mind, all your strength. When it comes to faith, in Mark 11, 22, God says, have faith in God. So the object of your love is God, and the object of your faith is God. Okay? So they are similar in their working. You love God, and you have faith in God. You have faith in God. Second thing you will realize about love is that God says, love your neighbor as yourself. It's not love your neighbor. He's love your neighbor as yourself. Okay? Love your neighbor as yourself. So the second thing connected with love is that God says, you know, first love me with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. Second, love yourself. And people need to learn to love themselves in a very healthy way. Because if you do not love yourself, you will not take care of yourself. You will not take care of yourself. You you need to realize, even your life, your body, everything is it belongs to God and is given to you as stewardship. So the second thing God is not saying is that to love your neighbor. No, you cannot learn to love your neighbor until first you have learned to love God and to have a healthy love for yourself because that is the measure you use to love your neighbor. What is that you want from God? That is what I want for my neighbor. So if you don't love yourself, you cannot truly love your neighbor. So that commandment, there are three parts. In. One, love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. Faith is the same thing. Jesus says, have faith in God. Have faith in God. Like when, uh, when, let me ask you this question from Ephesians, right? How is the husband asked to love, love a wife? Yes, Just as he loves. Nobody hates his own body. Hates his own body. But he takes care of his body. Now you need to Love your body. What God, You should be first satisfied with what has God. Five feet, five feet, six feet, six feet. Doesn't matter. If God has given only five feet and this, that is what he's going to use. 
So you don't have to feel terrible about it because when you feel terrible about it, what you are saying is that God made a mistake and God did not, doesn't make mistakes. So that's enough for you. Now what he has given, you need to say, Lord, I will do everything to present it to you as the best I can be for you. Because if you don't, what will happen is when you get married, you don't love your wife. Because you don't love yourself. You don't love yourself. Because if you do not love yourself, you cannot love your neighbor. And your love for your neighbor will be warped. Because all this has its own ramifications. So here God says, you know what? Love God. Have faith in God. Second thing, love yourself. Once you love yourself, that's the order, okay? Don't change the order. Otherwise, you will become a narcissist. Okay? Love God with all your heart, all your might, and then love yourself. Once you have loved yourself, faith works the same way. Have faith in God. Second, have faith in yourself. I can do all things through Christ Jesus. Not I can do. The world says I can do all things. They are narcissists. The man of God does not say, I cannot do all things. No, he has faith in himself because he has faith in God. He has faith in God. Because if you do not have faith in yourself, you will be still useless for God. Still useless for God. So his first is that, have faith in God. Second, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Go to Mark chapter 10 and verse 27. Then 9.23, Jesus looked at them and said, with men it is impossible, but not with God. With God, all things are possible. And 9.23, and God said, if you believe, all things are possible to him who believes. So you realize that's how it works. I have faith in God because all things are possible with God. And God says, if you believe in me, all things are possible for you. All things means not everything, but what God has planned out for you, it will be possible for you. So that's how it works. Love and faith both works the same way. Love is love God with all your heart. Faith is have faith in God. That's the first thing Jesus says. Second, love yourself, not your neighbor. Love yourself. Learn to love yourself. Healthy love for yourself. And faith works is that way. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. And faith says, nothing is impossible with God and all things are possible to him or her who believes. Then comes a third part of it. What is that? Love your neighbor as yourself. What happens? Suddenly we realize we are not in competition. We are in it together. Nobody has to crowd the other person out in before God. Nobody, okay, you you lose your crown only because you were lazy, not because somebody stole it. Nobody can take your crown, you can only lose. Nobody can take your blessing, you can only lose it. That was the foolishness of Jacob. You are trying to steal your own blessing. You can't lose it. You can't lose it. Because when Isaac is going to bless Jacob and Esau, it has to be prophetic, otherwise it's not going to be a blessing. He can't bless from the flesh. He has to bless in the spirit. And the spirit is controlled by God, not by man. So what are you trying to steal? Nobody can steal your blessing. So we are not in competition at all. In the world, it is dog eat dog. In the kingdom of God, you bring it and you lose. You lose. We are not in competition. And that's a very healthy thing. We are not in competition. We complement each other. If you go to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 20, 22 to 25. 
read it carefully, okay? First thing it says, now I'm looking, not looking at the theological part. How does it begin? Let? Let? Us. Say, all of you, let? Us. Doesn't say me. Let us. Yesterday, when we went, we came as individuals, but we gathered as a body. Let us. Next verse. Let us. Hold fast the confession. 24. Let us. Who? What should we do? Consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Consider, let us consider one another. What is that? We are stirring up love and good works. Nobody is in competition. Everybody is serving each other. Everybody is serving. That's why you cannot be a bystander in the church. And you need to look at some of the older people who have come in very late into the church, you will notice them because you don't look. I look from the front, everything, and I see some of them from the day they came in immediately started serving as soon as service is over. Nobody had to tell them. Nobody had to tell them. You know what? They are not in competition. They know we have to stir one another up. You cannot sit there and simply stand and talk. That is after serving. You should be always looking for, you know what? Let us, let us, let us, let us. Looking for an opportunity. Why? Because you need to love yourself as your neighbor. Okay? Love yourself as your, uh, your neighbor as yourself. And that's why let us consider one another. Order, stir up. And then the next verse which I gave you, 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. You need to keep, okay, because the church is a community of believers, the body of Christ. So we need to understand this. Psalm 60 verse 12 and 108 verse 13. Through God, who shall do valiantly? We shall do valiantly. Through God, not I shall do valiantly, which is true. Through God, we shall do valiantly. That we is important over there. Through God, we shall do valiantly. It is the world who cannot rejoice in the success of anybody else. I have told you this every time when I have gone on missions and come back. I said, if you look at a race when the runner wins the medal, when he finishes, what finishes first? His head. How do you finish a race? Your head first. Unless you are far away from ahead of your you try to finish chest first. But usually it's your head first. Why do they put the head down? Because when the head crosses the body, he's considered victorious. You know in this Olympics, this splits microsecond, this thing, there is this person whose head goes in first and the second one's body comes in second. But the first one gets it because his head crossed. So I said, every time I go on mission and you uphold me in prayer and I have a very successful mission and come back, we have one, not I have one. We have, though you were not there, we have one. Why? Because through God, we will do valiantly. The same thing happens also, like with this. If you see yourself as a body, that's how you have to see yourself as a body. So what does the body do? Each one has its own part, and the part is doing its own. Okay, it's like an army. The infantry that fights the actual troopers that fight this Indian army, 15 lakh people maybe, 2 or 3 or 4 lakh people actually fight. But when they win the war, the glory is for the whole army. Everybody celebrates. Okay, Including the cook who was cooking in the, in the mess. It's his victory too. 
And you have to see it that way. Through our God, we shall do valiantly. And the next verse. 108 and verse 10. Through our God, same thing. We shall do valiantly. This is where you have to do. Okay? So how does it come? It begins with first, God can. Therefore, I can. Therefore, we can. God can. It became Gideon can. It became 300 can. That's how it started. It started, didn't start with Gideon. It started with God. Mighty man of valor. Who, me? God says you. Why? Because I am with you. That is the whole thing. I am with you. And then Gideon realizes after a few days, I can. And then he realized that 301 of them said, the sword of God and the sword of Gideon. Suddenly you realize God can, one man can, and Gideon's 300 can. That is how it works. So in its outworking, love and faith. So that these two things, if you want to see a church powerful on earth, it has got to do with these two things. You love God, you love your neighbor as yourself. And two, the entire community also believes. Believe. Otherwise, what will happen? The struggle is on the leadership. You will have to be carried along like Moses carried for 600,000 men for 40 years. But God would not allow them to cross over because he says, if Moses had not made a mistake, Moses would have crossed over the 600 rabbin on the other side because they refused to become one body under the head. He couldn't pass on his love for God or his his passion for God or his faith for God to the rest of the congregation. So they perished. But their children grew up. And do you know after God spoke to Joshua and then when they came to the children of Israel and he took, Joshua talked to the children of Israel. They only asked one thing from Joshua. As the Lord was with Moses, all we ask you is, you are with God. We don't ask anything else. What the forefathers couldn't do, they did. They said, only thing we ask from you is that we saw how God was with Moses and how Moses was with God. We only ask you, whatever you say we will do, wherever you send we will go, anybody rebels against we will finish him up. But one thing we ask you, as Moses followed God, Joshua, please follow God. So it worked. In the second generation, God created a congregation. You know what? Who loved God? And who believed God. So it was God, one man, and then one congregation. Okay, That's how it works. That's how faith works. And, and that's how love works. That's what God is talking about. Okay. So we have to be careful because that is the order in it. God, man, congregation. That's how it works. Always God at the top. Because yesterday... Somebody asked me, Pastor, what you preached? It sounded very similar to what the word of faith people preach. I said, it's similar, but not the same. The difference between the word of faith, like Kenneth Copeland and Joel, all these people you know, who have these huge congregations and mass following, is because what they preach may look similar, but there's a difference. The difference here is what they, when they speak, God is not at the top. Man is at the top. They use scripture and they use confession to get what they want. It becomes occult because that's what happens in occult. That's what happens in occult. In occult, man is God. 
And the demons are willing to serve men. As long as you give them. So there is a, what you call a good, good pro pro. You scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. Okay? So that is why the demons require sacrifice. And the problem is the ones who rise to power sacrifice others. They don't sacrifice. They will sacrifice their own children too. The king of Moab will kill his own son because he wants escape. He wants victory. That's what happens on the other side. But that is not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, what happens is the man surrenders to God. So if you want to know the difference, I'll show you. Turn to Genesis chapter 11 and verse 4 and then verse 6. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city, a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves. Lest we be scattered. Okay. Let us, let us, let us, let us, let us. And then in verse 6, the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language, and this is what they begin to do. Now, nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. He's talking about unity has power. Every political system that has succeeded is because it was about man. It was not about God. It was about man. Every, this thing, if there is a ruling party in India, which is very powerful, do you know why they are powerful? Because they are united in their cause to change this nation. Absolutely united. You know why the communists were always a smaller group and the overran nations like Russia and China, they were very small because they were absolutely united in this purpose while their opposition was not. So God says there is something about this unity. It is demonic at unity. Let us, let us, let us, let us, let us. But that's not the kingdom of God works. The kingdom of God begins with surrender. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? God becomes the head. And many of us, you know what, will say, Lord, this is the desire. Whenever you ask me, Prophet, what is the psalm I give you? I have to give you Psalm 37. What do I say? I say, delight in the Lord. First, delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. What happens when you delight in your, the Lord? Your desires change according to what His desires are. And He will give it to you. He has no issues because it won't destroy you. But that's why we don't delight in Him. Because we don't want the desires of his heart. We want the desires of our heart. And then we get mad with God. We get upset with God. I asked, I prayed, I fasted, you never gave me. God says, what were you asking? What were you asking? What you were asking had nothing to do with my plans for you. My purpose for you. If I were to answer you, it would be like answering the prodigal son who is saying, give me my inheritance. You would have gone and blown away and you would have ended up in the pig pen. It's not that every prodigal comes back from the pig pen. Most don't. Most don't come back. you know. And this is our issues with God because God is not at the center. So when I was preaching yesterday, I made it very clear. You know, the first thing is surrender. You have surrendered to the will, the purpose, because you know what? First thing, I know he's good. I know all his plans for me are good. And especially it will be perfect in eternity. Therefore, I can surrender to him because I look at the cross. Why will he give me all things? Because if he did not spare his only son for me, how much more? That is the greatest. So you, that's from where your faith comes. You know what? I can trust God. Because he loves me like nobody. And he's only got good for me. Good for me. So I can trust God. So that's where it comes. At the top is God. God comes. And then comes that man. And that's how it always has worked. You will always realize there is a man. There is a man who was willing to 
This is the, what we call the mystery. If you go to Psalm 50 and verse 5. Psalm 50 and verse 5. No? 50. Gather my saints together to me. Those who have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. Okay. He says, he says, I want all our saints. In the kingdom of God, once you get in, you are called saints. Okay? Because positionally you are saint. And like I said, if you're born of God, that person cannot sin. Cannot sin. It's a saint. So churches are even Corinthians address as a saint. Okay? Because you are in Christ. That person is okay. But who do, who does he want to gather? My saints together to me, those who have made a covenant. We all had a covenant. Our covenant is based on the sacrifice of God for us. But now he says, I want the saints who have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. With me by sacrifice. And the simple question is, what have you sacrificed? What have you sacrificed? This is the mystery of covenant. This is the mystery of sacrifice. These are mysteries of the kingdom of God. Okay. And if you turn with me to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15 and then to verse 21. Okay. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his seed. God has spoken. Okay. God has spoken. Once he has spoken, you know what he does? He ratifies what he has spoken through sacrifice. So there is an altar and there is a sacrifice. Nobody understands it until the new covenant begins. What happened in the Garden of Eden? There are two innocent animals that are killed. An altar is made by God. Two innocent animals are killed. Their skins are taken. Adam and Eve are clothed in it and set it on. What is happening? God is making a covenant with them through sacrifice. That's where the mystery of the altar comes and the military mystery of the sacrifice comes. And you know what? That altar is speaking. That altar is speaking. So the next generation, you know what happens? There are two young men and the question is, which way will you go? And the, the, which, the way you will go has got nothing to do with age. The way you will go, because when you talk about the firstborn, what actually the firstborn becomes in the household of God is he becomes a priest. The priesthood comes to him. So there is a question of priesthood. And when it comes to the priesthood, Cain's altar has no sacrifice. And what is being rejected, his priesthood is rejected because there is no sacrifice. And what is received is Abel is received, his altar is received, his sacrifice is received, his priesthood is received. This is a mystery of priesthood. These are all mysteries in the kingdom of God. No? So you may be the firstborn in the church, or in your family, or you may be the youngest in the family. The question is, who is willing to make a covenant through sacrifice? The 10th, 11th one. It's the 11th one. Joseph was willing to make. And he becomes the firstborn. He becomes the priest of the family. Because first you have to become a priest before you can become a king. First you have to become a priest. So Joseph becomes a priest. He becomes a priest and he's making Unknowingly, knowingly, he's making a covenant with God through sacrifice. Thirteen years later, he's king. He has a dominion. He has authority. He has power. So we need to get these pictures in. You cannot. So if you have a problem in your family, like some of you have in your problem, don't run away from it. Run away from it. Because you could be the only one who can bring redemption in your family. 
That's why I asked yesterday in church, how many of you are the only one saved in your family and hands went up? I said, welcome to trouble. Because you can be either the one who redeems your family, God through you, or your family is lost. And you have to be the priest there and make a covenant with God through sacrifice. Now, he's not talking about God's sacrifice here. He's talking about your and my sacrifice. Okay? And that's what in Ezekiel 22 and verse 30. I sought for a man among them who would make a wall, stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. But I found no one. That does not mean they were not praying people. No. There were plenty of praying people, but there was no one who was willing to make a covenant through sacrifice. Now we need to understand, like I have said this before, when we talk about sacrifice, in this world too, you cannot rise anywhere without sacrifice. But those sacrifices are in the areas where we are naturally interested in, inclined. But when God calls for a sacrifice in areas, we have no interest. I have no interest. He calls you into an area where you have no interest. Because you don't see anything great for you in there. He may call you to a place you are not interested at all. To a people you are not interested at all. That is when you will realize. Suddenly it is realized. Okay, suddenly it is realized. You see, it's interesting about Moses. Moses was rescued. He grew up in the palace. He became top honcho in the palace, mighty in words, mighty in deeds and everything. Okay? And then he goes up. He has to run. Now he's 80 years old. Now the issue is he's being sent back to Egypt. But he's not going back the way he came from there. He's not going back as a prince with a scepter. He's going back as a shepherd with a rod. And he doesn't want to go. He says, says somebody else. He makes every excuse possible. I can't talk. I can't speak. There are plenty of others. This thing sends somebody else. This time when he goes back, that is a sacrifice. But 40 years earlier, he didn't want that sacrifice. He wanted what God wanted his way. With the sword, with an army behind, I will rescue your people. God says, I don't want that. That's Babylon. I don't want that. I don't want that. He says, my ways are different. And you will take you 40 years to understand, even be willing to accept my ways. And at the age of 80, when he goes, he's made a covenant of sacrifice. Therefore, they shut that door. I think it's open. Or it's, not, it's okay. Therefore, you will notice in that 40 years of in the wilderness, Moses is the only one of that generation who never legs back and is misses Egypt. He never misses Egypt. All the others were talking about Egypt. Oh, the leek and the garlic. Moses doesn't even talk about fish and garlic because he says, you guys do not have what real Egyptians eat. You ate scraps. I ate at the king's table. And he never misses anything. Never complains about any of those things. Why? Because he has made a covenant with God with sacrifice. Okay. See, as I close and we go to prayer, there's something which I want to tell. See, we talk about this 
ancient altars of our forefathers and all the curses and they all have done wicked things. All our forefathers have done wicked things. We don't know it. Because that is the age they grew. You want to do something, you have to offer something. Otherwise, you will not get. So they all have done and the influence follows all of us. We call it iniquity and iniquity plus curses and all these things have happened. Okay. Now let me ask you this question. All the troubles you face in life, one day all those troubles will cease. Which is that day? When you die. Right? When you die, nobody is worried about their problems. Problems over. <laughs> okay, you leave problems for others, but your problems are over. <laughs> now think, think, think about it. Okay, honestly think about it. All your problems are over. Other side, other problems begin, but we are not talking about. It. On earth, all your problems are fall. Every curse that was followed you finishes. Every demonic entity that followed you leaves you alone because you have died. That's why God says, die daily. That is an easy way out, but it is difficult. It's an easy way out, but it's very difficult. The easy way out, but it is very difficult. What is difficult? It is difficult to die. Paul understood the mystery and he said, you know what? I die daily. Therefore, curse had no his forefathers, what his ancestors did, not the iniquity of his. He never asked for forgiveness for the iniquity of his forefathers. Nothing, nothing had any effect on him because you know what? He woke up and he died and he says, Christ loves. This is a mystery. So you have a choice. But the problem is it is not easy. It is not easy. Especially it's easy if you are single. One, if you are easy, it's single. Two, it's easier if you are single and you don't have responsibility of taking care of a family. It becomes easier. Are you getting it? Because the minute you are married, the problem is you may want to die, but the other one wants you to live. You live for my desires. Problem come. Okay, that's why I made it very clear. For this purpose, man shall leave his father and mother, cleave to his wife, and they shall be one flesh and not spirit. <laughs> it is very difficult for a husband and a wife to be one spirit. He has his agenda, she has her agenda. Question is, which agenda will win? In the world, let me tell you honestly, in the world, <coughs> man is powerful. In the home, woman is powerful. Because she can make you miserable without saying a word. And that's how they manipulate. That's how they control. They control by making money. Ultimately, you will say, for the sake of peace, let me give in. But you know what you become? You become an Ahab. And you have missed the purpose of God in your life. Mm. And that's why we, 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 I'm not gentle on women or men. So you have to be very, very careful about these things. Because the last day's curse is the rise of Jezebel. The rise of Jezebel. But Jezebel will only rise for a season. What is the entire purpose of the rising of Jezebel? For the beast to be manifested. And that is a man who will show no mercy. No mercy at all. So get these pictures in. These pictures are important. 
These pictures are important because if you don't get these pictures in, you know what will happen? We are saved, but we will not be able to go anywhere. Okay, if you go to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 22, 24 and 25. 24, 24. And Therefore man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. Therefore. Okay, so the simple question is when a man leaves his father and mother, it's a sacrifice. It's not easy to live a father and a mother, especially if you had a good father and mother and a happy home, unhappy, miserable home. I'm not talking about, we're talking about what God intended the norm, a very happy home. Father is good, mother is good, home is very, very happy. To leave that into something that is uncertain. Because now you're going to start on your own and it depends upon two people, not just you. So there is a sacrifice involved. This forsaking all others. Remember the covenants we make? How many people we have heard? Forsaking all others for better or worse, riches and uh, poverty, health and sickness. All that, remember we say that? So there's sacrifice. But the simple question to ask is, for what? What's the purpose of sacrifice? The answer is, for a relationship. One flesh. For a relationship. So the simple question is, gather my saints who has made a covenant with sacrifice. For what? For what? What is God wanting? God wants a relationship. God wants a relationship. And that is what he's talking about. What is the whole purpose? What kind of a relationship God is talking about? And Paul will say, this is a mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. What kind of a relationship? A relationship that is absolutely transparent and where there is no shame at all between God and man. Absolutely transparent. They both were naked and they were not ashamed. Do you know? That's the relationship Moses had with God. Absolutely transparent. A relationship with God where God stood up every time for Moses and said, how dare you speak about this man. And then when God said, I will send an angel and you can go, he says, no. No. If your presence doesn't come with us, we are not moving from this place. He said, they may have come out of Egypt looking for some blessings in this world. I came out for you. And you are not coming, I am not going. A covenant by sacrifice. So you need to understand, behind the sacrifice, what are you looking for? What are you looking for? What are you looking for? David is king. David is king. But what is his cry as a king? Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. He's not worried about the kingdom. He's not worried about his crown. He's not worried about his popularity with the people. That's exactly what Saul said. Let the people know. He says, no, I have only one request. Don't break this relationship. Because I have in, I'm in this for a relationship. I'm in this for a relationship. The relationship. And you need to understand that is how. And what does Paul say? Forsaking. What am I pressing for? For what Christ took hold of for me. What is that? I want to know Him. That's my whole thing. Okay. This may look going above your head and all. But if you don't understand fundamentals, you will not aim for it. You will not aim for it. 
Okay, you will not aim for. You need to understand these things are important because it is right there in the first two chapters of Genesis before the fall began. The mysteries are there. This is the purpose of creation. God is God who exists on his own. He doesn't need anybody, but in his love he created. And then he created man. And what he demands from man, what he wants from man is that we become one spirit. I'm talking about Christ and the church. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. Because when we enter into eternity, one thing we will realize that everything we ran after in this world makes no meaning there. No meaning there. The only thing that makes meaning is the Christ in you, the hope of your glory. The only thing that will make sense. That is when, like people, final exam, they look at the question paper and they say, oh, I wish I had studied, I wish I had to do It's only a wish. Sorry, too late. I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish. Okay, and a lot of people are miserable, miserable. Like today, people in their late 30s, late 40s, family, children, struggling. You know why they are struggling? Because there was a season to study. And during that season, they did not study. Now, they are married, they have children, they have responsibilities, and they are struggling because in the marketplace, the competition is tough. And if you are not equipped, they don't want you. They don't want you. And when you look back, what do you see? I didn't work. That's where God comes. That's where you go to God because the world does not have God. So they will steal, they will lie, they will cheat, they will do. We don't have to do that. That's why David says, remember not the sins of my youth. Remember not what are the sins, what are the what is the greatest sin of our youth? The waste of time. Wasting of opportunities. Wasting. Because it's only when you are young you have strength and you have time on your hand and energy. You have strength, time, energy. God says you wasted it. Now if you are young, don't waste it because you know the truth. Make use of your time. Make use of your youth. Be the best you can be and then leave it to God. But if you are not young, you wasted. You know what you can go? You can go back to God by faith and say, Daddy, remember not the sins of my youth. Because he's still father. <laughs> he has no shortage of opportunities. He has no shortage of resources. The earth is the fullness belongs to him. The cattle on a thousand hills belongs on him. He lives one. He puts the, everything is in his hands. That is where faith comes in. You understand who God is. His love, his kindness, his power. All things are possible with him. All things are possible with me. I believe. And I'm going. I'm going through the mercy gate. If you go to Hebrews 10 and verse 19. If I'm right, 10, 19. Hebrews is a powerful verse over there. Brethren, having boldness. How? To enter where? The holiest. How? By the blood of Jesus. That's the mercy gate. Because the blood of Jesus speaks better things than the blood of Abel. What does Abel's blood say? What does the blood of Abel say? Revenge. Revenge. You know what blood signifies? It signifies 
life. Life. When you are promoted, or when you are lifted up, all the others who struggled all their life, they are crying out, revenge, revenge, bring this one down, bring this one down, bring this one down. You cannot be brought down like Daniel. Why? Because the blood is speaking on your behalf. Mercy, mercy, mercy. Blood represents life. When God lifts somebody, a Hebrew slave who has been prison in dungeon for 13 years, been lifted up and is made second to the king. And all the other lives who have served Pharaoh for 10 years, 15 years, who learned all the occult and the wisdom, nobody is promoted. What is their life crying out? Revenge. But what is speaking for Joseph? Mercy. 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 Why? Because he's made a covenant with God through sacrifice. The blood speaks for you. That's why God says, you know what? I will show mercy to whom? I want to show mercy. We'll never understand the mystery of mercy. Mystery of mercy. And we are people who are within the kingdom of God, recipients of mercy. That's why when you hear, you need to understand the Canaanite woman, her child is dying. Demon person is dying and she's crying out. Jesus, son of David, he refuses to answer. You have no access to mercy. No access to mercy. We have received. We were separated from the commonwealth of Israel. We had no access. Like I said, when the children of Israel groaned in Egypt, God heard and remembered his covenant. All around the world, in India, in Asia, in South Africa, look in Every nation, people were in slavery. You look at the Peruvian culture, the Andes and all. People were being sacrificed on their temples for the sake of the rich to get powerful. They were, babies were slaughtered, men and women were slaughtered, sacrificed. They were only slaves and masters who held power through occult and through armies. That was the state of the world. They all cried out. There was no answer because they had no access to the mercy of God because they had no covenant. We are people of a covenant. And the question is, do we go to God on a daily basis? We have boldness. Enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. That's why we are crying out for U.S. Lord. Have mercy, mercy. I'm not saying 350 million people of U.S. are crying. You don't need 315 people. You just need the people who know they belong to Christ. If my people who are called by my name, if they humble themselves, so there is a set of people who have a name. The name signifies you are part of the covenant because when you enter into the covenant, you have a name. So Israel is my firstborn. How did they become the firstborn? How did they get the name? Through covenant. Israel is my firstborn. Let him go. That's a covenant God made with Abraham, Isaac, and then Israel. Jacob is Israel. So he says, I remembered my covenant with Abraham. Abraham had eight sons. Isaac. Isaac had two sons and Israel. Israel had 12 sons and all 12 sons are Israel. There are nobody outside the covenant. That's why these three names are mentioned. Abraham, Isaac and Israel. So when it narrows down to Jacob, that is what becomes a nation. and God has a covenant. So when those covenanted people cried out, God said, I'm sending. I'm getting a man ready. He's not ready yet because he's not willing to make a covenant with me by sacrifice and waiting. Once he has made that, I will send him 
he will deliver you. I looked for one man who would stand in the gap. I found my man. I'm preparing him. Once he goes there, he will bring you out. And anyone dares to go against him, even if it is own elder brother and sister, I will deal with them personally. Personally. The power, the mystery of the altar, the mystery of priesthood, the mystery of a covenant, the mystery of blood. These are mysteries in the kingdom of God. And we have access to things which the prophets longed and angels longed to look into it. The simple question is, what are we going to do about it? Will you make your personal covenant with God? God is a God of covenant. Will you make a personal covenant with God and say, Lord, here I am. Here is my life. Take it. I make a covenant with you. Covenant with you. Amen. That's how it works. Amen? Amen? Let's have Peter. This was Sunday evening service, okay? It was free for you. They are listening. Don't worry. Let me ask you this simple question. You all heard yesterday's message. You all heard the end, the prayer at the end. Did it make any difference to you? Do you know how many people in the world received their healing and came out at the, at the end of prayer? They listened to the message and they received their deliverance and walked out. Why? What is the difference? Faith. Not the person. From New York to Canada to Australia to the Middle East, people received. What are the difference? The power of God was there to heal. And you were right there in the hall. They were not there. But God was there. This is what I'm talking about. This is where you have to be very, very careful about it. God is not a respecter of persons. Even a kid who's, who's an altar, by five o'clock had already listened to the message twice and was receiving his healing. What do you have to say? What do you have to say? Daddy, I have already listened twice. I'm listening again. And I'm praying. And I'm praying. It's just part of a person's soul. Not even a full soul. A part of a person's soul. The power of faith. Anyone who comes to God must believe that he is. That's all. Must believe that he is. You need to ask these things questions. Because Sunday services are not like Wednesday, Monday, Tuesday, weekdays. Sunday services are primarily impartation services. You're coming together from all part of the city. You're coming into the house of God. We're coming as a community of believers and the presence of God is there. And you have to come expectantly at the end. There will be an impartation. Something will happen. The question is, am I ready to receive? Am I ready? Come prepared. Come ready to receive. Receive. Thus you'll be shocked in eternity when you have tens and thousands of people from so many churches of ours who will stand there and say, I received in that meeting. But you were not there. I wasn't there. I listened online. I listened online and I just walked away free. Walked away free. Okay, think about it. Think. It's not about me. It's about God. It is not about me. It's about God. Because if it is about me, you all must be the one full receiving the impartation because I am in your midst. It is not about me. It is God. That is one. Somebody who is not there who will probably never meet me in this life is able to receive it. It is because God is the one who is delivering people, not man. 
But you come to the house of God, not the house of man. It is not James Tabernacle, it is Grace Tabernacle. Understand that? We are just vessels. We are just channels. We are just servants. We are just stewards. He is Lord. This is my name. What is the first thing? God. The Lord. Lord God. Remember, he is the one. Gracious, merciful, long-suffering. That's his name. So when you come into the house of God, you go expecting what? Mercy and grace. We saw, therefore, boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. And what? For what? 416. For what? Boldness. You have boldness. Come through the blood. The mystery of the blood. Come through the blood of my son. And receive? What? Okay. Mercy and grace. That's the power of God. For any and every situation. Receive the mercy. Let us therefore come boldly. Why can we come boldly? The blood gives boldly. For what? We may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. So, let's have Peter. Let's pray.